So next week, ties. That's what we're wearing, okay? Right? Yeah, ties. I know, I throw everybody off, you know, tucking in my shirt, wearing ties. This stuff just messes everybody's mind. Not good. What was that? They got the wrong Sunday, I know, yeah. Maybe I'll wear uh, Xavier's onesie. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> Please no. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jesus is good news, amen? Uh, isn't it great? Um, do you ever just like take time to really reflect? I mean, maybe you do, I don't know. It's sometimes you just, life is just going, right? You just don't stop sometimes and think, and go, oh my gosh, like, pretty awesome <laughs> that, you know, no matter what's going on in our life, to be able to take a moment and think about the fact that we have an amazing Savior, right? That, that you know, that we would be looking at eternity, right? That, that, yeah, this world is messed up and fallen, but we, you know, it's just a blip, right? It's just a blink of an eye. It's just so tiny compared to eternity in that perfect world that we have to come, right? That perfect kingdom. What a, what a blessing, right? I mean, I don't know. It, it's like it helps you get through, right? That struggle of each week, right? Each day. And no matter what the world throws at you, uh, it gives us hope for tomorrow, right? Uh, but also just the amazing reality that he's with us in the moment too, right? That it's not just something for eternity that, you know, someday I can't wait. No, it's even now. The things that he gives us just with his presence, being there, speaking those words of encouragement and love intimately. He doesn't broadcast it, right? He whispers it in our ear because he's close, he's near, he loves us. He wants to continue to do that, right? He continues to encourage us. So no matter what the world throws, even when it's ugly and painful and raining or snowing or whatever it is, you know, he's there. It's amazing. It's, it's awesome, right? It's good news, right? I mean, this is something that we want to share, not because we have to. It's not, you know, oh, we got to do this because God said so, right? You know, Matthew 28, great commission, you better go do it. No, it's something we do because we love what we have. It's amazing to think about the gifts that we get, the, uh, the amazing presence, the, the whispers. We want to tell people about that. We want to share it with the world. You know, we've uh, been in a country for a couple of hundred years now that, you know, has been basically Christian, pretty moral, right? And everyone grows up with this perspective of Jesus, whether they believe in or trust him for salvation or not, at least they know. And now we have a time where it's like kind of getting to be a little bit more of a struggle and not everyone is being raised up with that perspective and Christianity is starting to be frowned upon and looked down upon. And so we had a 200 years where, you know, maybe we wanted to share, but everybody knew it anyway. And now we have a time where maybe not everybody knows it, but it's become dangerous to share. But again, it's good news. Whether the people we're sharing with it admit that or know that or not, it's still good news. Jesus is our salvation. In the midst of our suffering and despair in our world, in the midst of our slavery to sin, in the midst of our, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the evilness that's all around us, our constant rebellion, the pain and the suffering that comes from that, in the midst of our guilt 
and our condemnation, knowing that we deserve death, knowing that we, we don't deserve eternity, knowing that we, you know, we've done nothing to earn that, and we can't. In the midst of that despair, we're redeemed. Jesus shows up in our world a couple thousand years ago, knowing our condition and yet loving us so much that he willingly came and gave his life in order that we might have an opportunity, that we might be freed from our slavery, that we might have a chance to have our relationship with our father reconciled, that we might be able to escape our just destiny with death and be able to enjoy the eternity that he created us for. Redemption and salvation came out of nowhere. 2,000 years ago, the, the Israelites were still striving to earn their salvation through being obedient to the law. Failing over and over and over again. Yet still hoping and trusting that someday, somehow, they'd be able to figure it out and finally deserve salvation. And then Jesus shows up. The whole trajectory of our world and of humanity suddenly takes this dramatic shift at the death and the resurrection of Jesus. As Jesus willingly comes, willingly dies, and resurrects in order to redeem creation, in order to redeem his children, in order to redeem humanity. First Peter chapter 1, 17 to 21. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. It is through the blood of Jesus that we are redeemed but I think uh, as I was preparing this message this week, I, I realized that, you know, this word redeemed, you know, what does it mean? And we can sometimes not fully understand. And so I found it interesting as I began to work through this a bit, that, that there's really three main concepts that come out in redemption that actually are in our world as well. It's not just a biblical concept or spiritual concept. It's also a world perspective of redemption. And so I want to look at these three different definitions, if you will, or perspectives of redemption, and we can see how they obviously apply to our own redemption. First of all, redemption it has uh, the perspective of regaining what was lost, 
regaining possession of something that used to be ours. Uh, and, and in order to do that, usually you have to pay the price. Like, you know, if you were to take, you know, maybe a precious jewel and you were going through some difficult times financially and you would take it down to, you know, the hawk shop, you know, and, and sold it to them to get some cash, right? If you wanted to get that jewel back, you could potentially do that. But in order to regain possession, you would have to pay the price in order to do so. And so there's this, in redemption, there's this idea of regaining possession. Obviously, this is true in Jesus. All of us were created to be in intimate relationship with God. We were created for God. We were created for this amazing worship of our Lord and Savior. That's what we were created for. Yet, all of us individually have rebelled against our Creator. We have been lost We've sold ourselves, if you will, into slavery, gave up what we had and, and rejected what we had and went out into the world, and yet we have a Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who came and saw that we were slaves to sin, that Satan was our master, that there was nothing we could do, but more than that, we were doomed to death, that death had its claim on us, and there was no chance of us ever escaping that. And Jesus shows up and says, no, 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 I am going to free you from your slavery. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to purchase you again. I'm going to allow you to be a part of my family once again because this is what I do. <laughs> I'm a redeemer. Jesus pays the price for our rebellion. pays the price to free us from our slavery. In essence, this aspect of redemption is an exchange, if you will, between Jesus and Satan. Satan who owned us because of our choice to bow to him and death that went along with Satan. And Jesus steps in and pays the price to regain possession of us. Not merely an exchange of just money, but indeed an exchange of his very life. He takes the punishment that we were meant to receive. But even in this amazing reality that although Jesus did indeed die, he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. We have a risen Savior. He didn't remain. Matter of fact, to redeem us, we would not continue to worship him, especially the next two pieces, if it wasn't for this reality that Jesus is not still dead, right? He rose from the dead. He is alive. He's an alive redeemer. He is still active in redeeming us, which we'll get to in a moment. But we have to remember that he is risen. This is our hope. It's not that he just paid the price, but that he broke the chains of death so that we know that when we die, we could be res resurrected with him. And spend an eternity in his kingdom. The second aspect or perspective of redemption is that of compensating for faults. 
in essence, to re have a redeeming value. All of us as sinners deserve death, deserve to be thrown out and to be judged in essence, right? We're all sinful. We're rebellious against God. Yet Jesus shows up to give us redeeming value. In essence, if we choose to accept Jesus as Lord, then we receive his righteousness, this imputed righteousness, this reality that even though we have a life of sin, and if we have Jesus on our side, we get credit for his righteousness, what he has done. And so his righteousness is enough to redeem the faults that we have. To give us redeeming value, value enough that the Father will accept us. You see, it is through Jesus that God the Father sees us. Through his shed blood that we have entrance into his kingdom, into his throne room in order to have this intimate relationship with him. It is Jesus that is interceding for us on our behalf each day. So that when we come to the Father, we don't come on our own accord, based on our own righteousness. We, become, we come because of Jesus and his righteousness. As we enter, Jesus says, yes, this is one of mine. He's covered. I, I, give my credit, you know, what's credit for me, give it to them. And so they can step in to the throne room and have this relationship with God. Jesus compensates for our sin. We can't and have never been able to fulfill the law, and we still can't fulfill the law. Even after we've bowed our knee to Jesus as Lord, we still struggle. But he continues to intercede for us. Jesus' righteousness is enough. This perspective of redemption is, again, talking about an exchange, is an exchange between Jesus and our Heavenly Father, where Jesus stands in our place and says, no, no, it's okay. The third perspective on redemption is that of cashing in on a promise. If you have a ticket to the ball game, you can use that ticket to get into the ball game. But if you do not go to the game or don't turn in that ticket, you, can't get, you're not, you don't get the benefit of being able to enjoy the game. Uh, I don't know if you're a Survivor fan, uh, but uh, my wife and I have always watched the show Survivor for years and years and years. I don't think we've ever missed a, a year. I don't know why. We just do. And it's kind of the same thing over and over again. But it's great. Anyway, so, uh, but, you know, they have, it, you know, these things called immunity idols, right? You, if you don't know the show, you don't want to get voted off, right? And so you have this group of people, and if they vote you off, you're out of the show. Well, you can get an immunity idol, and you can get a hidden immunity idol. And so you have this immunity idol that is able to save your life so that you don't get voted off the island, right? Well, sometimes, Many times people have had an immunity idol, but they haven't played the immunity idol. And so if you don't play it, you get voted out. And so they get voted out with the immunity idol. They had the ability to save their life, but they never used it. And so they lost their life, right? Not literally, but anyway, lost the life in the game. But that is literally 
for us, this is the aspect of redemption, that we have been given, in essence, a ticket, an immunity idol to the eternal kingdom. But are we going to use it? You see, God does not force his redemption on us. He doesn't force us to obey him. He says, hey, here's the offer. Jesus came. Jesus died for you. He has paid for your sin. He is ready and willing to be an intercessor for you before the Father, but you have to choose it. And so this aspect of redemption is, are we going to cash it in? It is when we do, when we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, that then we get to, get to enjoy the promise. We get to redeem the promise, redeem the ticket for the joy that God has offered us. Amazing reality, amazing truth that we have been given freedom and new life, that when we surrender to him as Lord, this final exchange occurs. The exchange is between Jesus and humanity. Jesus and me, where we make that individual choice to accept what Jesus offers, to open up the gift that he's presented and to enjoy the full benefit of it. Redemption, indeed, is only for those who accept Jesus' offer of salvation. So with that bigger, maybe, or more full explanation or understanding of redemption, we can more uh, clearly maybe see the blessings of redemption. And so I want to spend just a little bit of time taking a look at a couple of different aspects of uh, uh, the blessings of redemption. First of all, we, in redemption, when we have been redeemed, we receive freedom from slavery and freedom to free will. Freedom from slavery, slavery to, to sin. You know, the reality is in our life, day-to-day -day life, we can do nothing but sin except for Jesus. Right Before we come to Jesus, that is all we can do. You know, everything, even our good works are considered filthy rags in God's perspective until we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord. And the moment we do that, we get freed from this uh, uh, slavery to sin, and we can actually now choose righteousness. Now, again, we still struggle. Sin is Sinful nature is still there, this side of heaven. We continue to have this battle with sin, and oftentimes we continue to sin. But now the good things that we do, the good deeds that we do, the righteous things we do actually now are righteous because we're not doing them in our own strength. We're not doing them for our own glory. We're doing them through Jesus Christ. And so we see in redemption this reality that we are freed uh, from the slavery to sin, but we're also freed to this free will. We have the free choice to make of who we are going to continue to serve. This is part of Paul's, you know, struggle at different times when he's writing and talking about, you know, wait a second, why are you choosing to sin again? Remember, you were slaves to sin, and, and now you're out of that. Why, why do you continue to go back to that? Don't choose to sin with your freedom. You have free will. Choose righteousness. Choose to be, to, choose to Jesus to be your master instead of Satan. And so uh, Romans 6 actually lays this out in, in quite detail, so I encourage you to read it sometime, but good stuff there that we have this freedom to choose after we've bowed our knee to Jesus Lord we are that free will is restored we can choose to seek Jesus and to follow him we certainly still struggle but we can actually now choose righteousness 
Next, another blessing of redemption is, of course, freedom from death to life. Death for us as believers is no longer an end. Death for us is no longer something we have to fear. Now, maybe many of us as believers, I know we maybe fear how we're going to die or when we're going to die, but maybe we don't fear death. But understand, we don't have to fear any of it. We don't have to fear death in any way because it's not the end. It doesn't win, right? We, we know, and because we've bowed our knee to Jesus, Lord, because we've surrendered our life to him, we know that we have an eternity to look forward to. And so death is simply a transition. But also, it's not just escaping death, it's also getting to enjoy life. We have been called to live a life of freedom. I, I, again, you know, Paul in, in Galatians chapter 3 kind of, you know, calls out his, you know, the, the Galatian church because they are still trying to live legalistically. And he's like, wait a second, that's not, the, that's not what Jesus did. Matter of fact, Galatians 21, 2, 21 has this amazing verse that talks about that those who are striving to do it on their own are basically saying that Jesus' death really didn't mean anything. It wasn't that important. We just, ah, we're just kind of going to deny that because I could do it on my own. No, no. We live our life not only before when we first come this understanding of Jesus. In order to get salvation, we do it by grace. But again, we live our life of freedom. We live our life of grace afterwards as well. That we would seek to live a life of freedom. Something that's challenging, I think, for us to do, where we keep our eyes focused on Jesus and allow him to dictate the, the things of our day and that we continue to trust him, trust him even when we sin. You know, I think that's, it can be a big deal for us as Christians. You know, we get hung up on our sin. It's not that sin, sin isn't a big deal. We as Christians should always repent when, we reveal, when he reveals the sin that we're doing. We need to continue to have a life of repentance. But there's too many of us that may still repent, but allow that to keep us from being in relationship and intimacy with Jesus. Too many of us allow that sin to keep us from doing the things that he's called us to. Too many who allow sin to be a barrier between us in ministry and us in, in evangelism, us and, you know, I can't tell other people about Jesus because I don't know him very well, or I don't, I look at my life, it's not all figured out. No, no, no. We are called to live a life of freedom, which means that we're all depending on Jesus. And it's not about our sin. It's about Jesus' righteousness. He's interceding for us. We need to be honest about our sins, certainly, but don't let it keep us from following Jesus. Don't let, it, don't, don't let us think that it can keep him from doing something in and through us. The life we're called to as Christians is a life not of religious legalism or appeasement. Instead, it's a life of grace and enjoyment. Are you enjoying grace? Are you enjoying enjoyment? <laughs> All right. So the theme of uh, our Advent series is Go Tell It on the Mountain. So go tell it on the mountain. Are you telling it on the mountain? What does that look like? Who are the people you know that don't know? Who are the people in your life who need to know? Who are the ones who are desperate to know? 
who are the ones that don't even know that they don't know? Are you sharing the love of Jesus? Have you had opportunities this Advent season maybe to infuse Jesus' name in more of what you're doing? You know, praying a little bit more before a meal, right? You know, especially when you know there's some unbelievers there. We should always pray, right? But, you know, even with unbelievers, are we doing that? Are, are, are we giving glory to his name? A few things that I wanted to zero in on this week, uh, the question really to ask for us to evaluate is simply this. In, our, in your life, in our life, are we expressing to the world around us, life or death. When people see us, what do they see? When people hear us, what do they hear? Life or death? When people observe our traditions, when people observe our behaviors, when they observe the way we react to certain things in this world, do they see life or death? And what do I mean by that? There's four things I want to kind of point out first of all do they see condemnation or redemption from us there's too many of us i think as christians that can be a little bit too judgmental of the world very quick to point our fingers at those who are not living obviously living according to god's will you know, in our world, it's becoming a little bit more obvious. Again, America for a couple of hundred years was, you know, ma mainly a Christian moral nation. Now, as it becomes less and less moral, we are seeing more obviously people living according to different moralities than what Scripture teaches. So it's becoming more, and more obvious to us. You know, before, you know, sin was oftentimes hidden. Now we see it. It's in our face. And so how do we respond? When we're interacting in the world and we see obvious sin before us, are we communicating through our words, body language, whatever it may be, are we communicating condemnation or redemption? You see, God has not left us here to be condemners. Even Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. Our job in the world is to proclaim Jesus. That is what we should be communicating. Not condemnation, not pointing our fingers at them, not looking down our noses at them. So what are you communicating? What are you expressing? Life or death, condemnation or redemption? We're called to love the lost and not condemn them. Are you expressing doom and gloom? or hope and joy. You know, the last couple of years has been rough. There's been a lot of doom and gloom, right? I, I mean, there's, I get, I see it, right? I mean, our world is not what it was a couple of years ago. And it's just radically changing in so many different ways. Every aspect of our life seems to be, you know, just been disrupted and changed. Everything is, you know, falling apart, it seems like. And so uh, when people see you, are they sensing doom and gloom or hope and joy? You see, because we as Christians, as those who have bowed our knee to Jesus as Lord, we are not citizens of this world. 
We are citizens of the eternal kingdom that is here and is forever. We have all the reason more than anyone in the world to be filled with joy and hope. Do they see it? Or are we allowing the events of the world to depress us, to put us in a state of despair? Where are we at? What are we commuting at? What are we expressing? There's too many of us, I think, in our world, in our Christian world today, that are filled with fear and despair. Yet Christians should be the most optimistic people in the entire world. Understand, though, it's not a fake joy. It's not just like putting on a happy face. True joy comes from within when we know that we're settled with our Savior and we know we have an eternity to look forward to, that this is not all there is, that there is more, right? And when we have that understanding, when we have that realization, that experience internally, when we know it with our brains, then we can have that true joy that even though the world all around us has fallen apart, even though maybe we are getting, you know, maybe a sick, uh, a little bit over the top, you know, uh, illustration, but we're burning at the stake and we can still proclaim the praises of God. We can still be joyful because... We know that God, Jesus, is sovereign. In our life, are we expressing life or death? Are we expressing self-sufficiency or Christ-dependency? When, when the world looks at us, when the people around us who don't know Jesus, see us, do they see, wow, that person is really capable. Man, they can really do a lot of great stuff. Man, look at they're awesome. Do, do we give praise to Jesus or to ourselves? Do, you know, are we capable? Can we do it? Or do we recognize, oh my gosh, there's no way. I can't do it. I need Jesus. What does the world see? You see, life is Jesus. Death is self-sufficiency. I can do it on my own. No, that leads to death. It's when we are fully dependent on Jesus for every breath. And when the world sees that, they see life. Do they see that in us? Do they hear that from our words when we are talking about the good things in our life, do we give praise to Jesus? We say, oh, this was really cool. Or, this was lucky. Or this was, oh, man, I can't believe I was able to do this. Wait a second. Where's Jesus? Do we give verbal you know, a, you know, credit to Jesus for any good that we have in our life? Or do we take all that credit? Does the world see the way we live as being Christ-dependent or self-sufficient? In our life, are we expressing life or death? Slavery or freedom? Which one do people see in our world? Do they see us living a life of slavery? Do they see us living a life of freedom? Are we promoting a legalistic religious experience? 
Is that how we communicate Jesus? Is that how we communicate Christianity? Hey, come to Jesus, and then you'll have all these lists of things you have to do. It's, no, it's great. It's, it's really fun. I mean, you get to go to church, and you get to pray, and, and if you don't do that, you, know, you kind of feel guilty. Now, again, we wouldn't say this verbally, but is our li- what is our life expressing? Are we expressing a life that is legalistic? Again, this goes back to sin, right? What do we do with sin? If the world sees us sin, how do we handle that? The world, when, you know, the, you know, from a worldly, humanistic perspective, you know, that's the worst thing ever, right? Oh, I did this horrible thing. Oh, I'm to blame. Oh, the whole world. Oh, I'm, I can't do it. Is that how we respond to our sin? Or do we say, wait in a second. No, yeah, that's bad. Jesus, I'm so sorry for what I did. Please forgive me and then move on. Right? Is it, you know, one is a legalistic perspective that, oh my gosh, I got to appease this God. And if I don't do everything right every moment of the day that, oh my gosh, he's going to judge me. He's going to strike me down. He's going to wipe me out. Or... A life of freedom where I recognize, yeah, my sin is, needs to be repented of, but it doesn't separate me from my Savior. And I'm constantly one with him, no matter what I do, because it's not based on my righteousness, it's based on his. Too many of us offer a life of religious legalism to the world, one that's filled with guilt and shame, but we're called to actually communicate and express the abundant life of freedom that we have in Jesus. Did Jesus really come to give us life and to give it abundantly? Are we, are, is, does the world see that? Do they see us living abundantly? Even though we don't have any money, <laughs> can, can, he, can he see us living abundantly can that can they see it or are you know you know you know we don't talk about it. all right worship team why don't you come on up just a thought to close with again i think these two go hand in hand if we want to be able to proclaim the praises of jesus we have to Keep reminding ourselves of where we've come from. And so, you know, I would encourage you this week and maybe even just this morning as we sing another song or two and and as we close the service, but, you know, reflect on what he's redeemed you from. You remember, allow yourself to think about life before Jesus, to, to remember the sinfulness that maybe is still evident, obviously, in your life, but especially before you came to Christ. Reflect on what you've been redeemed from, because as we recognize how evil and rebellious we were and what he saved us from, then we're able to more fully be excited and giving praise to him for what he's done. And as we do that, then we're able to live out that life of freedom more fully. We... Are redeemed. Amen. Amen. All glory to Jesus' name.
Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the hope that you've given us. Jesus, you are our Savior. You are our Redeemer. We are so uh, thankful for what you have done for us, Lord, totally undeserved, unearned. We couldn't do it on our own, but you chose to step in. Thank you for this good news that you've given us that is not just some uh, script that we're supposed to go and tell other people about, but it's something that we have experienced personally. Lord, I pray that you would continue to allow us to experience this redemption in our lives each day, Lord, that we would have more and more stories to tell of your goodness and how you have not just redeemed our life that day way back when, when we prayed the prayer, but that you continue to redeem our life. You continue to take our sin and turn it into something beautiful and, and, and glorious and something that you can be praised for and something that we can give you the praise for, Lord. So continue to allow us to enjoy this amazing salvation that you've offered, Lord, and help us Help us to go and tell it on the mountain, over the hills, and everywhere so that you would be glorified, not just in our own life, but in those lives around us as they hear the words proclaimed, whether they trust in you or not, that they would not be able to deny the reality that Jesus is indeed the reason for this season, and he is sovereign. He is Lord. He is, uh, he is uh, our Redeemer and our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray but let me read this passage as well from first excuse me from Ephesians chapter 1 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and things on earth amen, amen. Merry Christmas have a great Sunday we'll see you guys again next week all dressed in ties and dresses and pretty stuff right yes <laughs> <laughs>